All right. Well, don't have a lot of people, but uh, I guess we'll go ahead. Um, how you doing, all? Uh, I don't think Strugan. I don't know if you've joined us before. Um, if you have, uh, then you know who we are. If not, my name's Josh, uh, aka Cujo. And then we've got uh, Dave. He's the president of the FPVFC. And then we got Dan, uh, who's our technology guru, our regulations guy. Um, and uh, so uh, generally, right now, we've got a couple uh, news articles that I wanted to cover. Um, this one's really cool. Um, this is a new podcast uh, focused on drones for good. Um, and Dave, you'll know this organization, the Drone Responders. Um, they launched a new dual program podcast highlighting the use of uh, UAS and related technology across the emergency management and public safety sectors. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, uh, but it's definitely going to go on my podcast rotation. Um, I'll post a link to it real quick. Um, this is the kind of good media that we need. Um, this comes from uh, Drone Life. Um, so you got uh, two different podcasts. Um, one's uh, Taming Disaster Drones for Good. Uh, is hosted by Christopher Todd. Uh, we'll explore how emergency managers, disaster response professionals, and non-governmental and humanitarian organization volunteers are using UAS to make a positive impact around the world. Uh, the second podcast will feature drone responders, UAS for public safety and fire rescue. Uh, program will highlight the way public safety agencies across the United States and around the world are using drones to help save lives and protect property while also increasing first responders' safety. Um, so I think both of these are going to be uh, awesome. A uh, new episode of either uh, Taming Disaster or Drone Responders will be released each Monday. So it looks like they're going to alternate weeks. Um, yeah, so... This organization looked like a, a perfect complement to us. I have the uh, name of one of their officers. I, I need to follow up and call them. Uh, but I'm, uh, it, it was a little difficult to, to find a contact in the organization. But I'm, I'm excited. This is, uh, they have members. And... Uh, it appears that they do not do what we do, so it would be it could be a, a very nice uh, compliment uh, to each organization. Absolutely. Uh, so they got uh, their sponsors uh, are Air Air XOS, uh, which is part of uh, GE Aviation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we've got uh, First IZ and Pix4D are going to be their sponsors for right now. So. That's uh, pretty cool. That's the kind of uh, good, uh, positive media that we really, really need um, and uh, a way to highlight uh, the usefulness of drones um, beyond, you know, just photography and, and hobby. So I think that kind of stuff will go away or go a long way. Let me put it that way. <laughs> um, second up, and this is from Drone DJ. Uh, some of you may have heard a police drone and a helicopter collided in a flight. Um, there were no injuries. Uh, the collision resulted in the drone being destroyed and the helicopter suffered a small amount of damage to the main rotor. This was in Canada, right? Yep. Yeah. Bruce Simpson may have mentioned that one at one point. 
So looks like uh, Fleer Sky Ranger R60 drone was being uh, operated by the RCMP and collided with a police helicopter while climbing in altitude. Um, Boy, that's an expensive kit, as they would say. Yep. Um, the helicopter was reported, reportedly completing a low-level flight under 300 feet. When the drone collided with it, the pilot noticed some vibrations and decided to land the helicopter on the road. Later on, the maintenance staff found damage on the main rotor blades, along with superficial damage to the tail boom and tail rotor. So, that's unfortunate. Um, and then, out of my home state, not to bring some bad stuff into the into the light here, but uh, we had a drone holdup operations down in Tucson on a fire. Um, so they were unable to uh, utilize the air support um, for that fire uh, because of a drone flying in the area. So um, this is a fire going on in the Coronado National Forest. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a bad deal. Uh, it does look like some pretty smoke to fly through, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it could be, but you know, we all we all know you need to stay away from these uh, emergency areas so people can do their jobs. Yep. And uh, um, you know, the fire is much more their job to put out that fire is much more important than your pretty shot. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, kind of keeping up with our theme over the last couple of weeks of DJI. Um. We've got uh, an article. Let's see, where is this coming from? Looks like Heli Guy. Sorry, I go through and I find some interesting articles uh, before the uh, the uh, meeting here that, that we can all kind of jive about. So this says that no evidence of drone data going to DJI or China. Um, so there's no evidence that the data or information collected by DJI drones is being transmitted to China, DJI, or any other unexpected party. A new independent cybersecurity audit is confirmed. Obviously, yeah, DJI read, is welcome the findings. So yeah, I read the uh, the write up on this. This was um, the right. The report is done by Booz Allen Hamilton. Mm -hmm. um, for those of uh, you in the, are knowledgeable about the IT space, this is. Uh, it's a really uh, reputable firm. They were hired by Precision Hawk, so this was uh, not uh, paid by DJI. But uh, they, uh, it's it's a really interesting report. They used uh, two of the um, government-specific uh, DJI drones, and then one that just a front of the mill yeah. off the shelf of Mavic Two. Yeah. And uh, so, so this is this to me is very positive in our work as we um, uh, work uh, to argue against uh, to the uh, the two congressional bills, the one in the House, the one in the Senate, 4753 in the House and 2502 in the Senate. Uh, this is good ammunition for us to say, you know, they really are not sending information back to China. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, this I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is going to be launching a survey in the next, doesn't maybe a couple days, maybe a week, um, wanting to know what the public thinks about using drones during emergencies. 
Um, so drones are currently being used for a host of emergency response capabilities from monitoring wildfires to tracking protesters and conducting surveillance during civil unrest. Uh, which we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, first responder organizations have used UAS to search for lost children, identify high-risk areas and burning structures, facilitate relief operations uh, uh, following hurricanes, reduce risk and exposure. Um, all great uses for UAS. Um, the survey will include questions about the respondents' knowledge of drones and their capabilities, as well as their use by first responders and opinions on those uses. Um, Let's see, the survey will also ask respondents to evaluate the effectiveness of different test messages that we have created to deliver information to the public about first responder drone applications. Um, so looks like they're expecting about 2,000 responses from the general public, each of which is expected to take, the survey seems like it's only gonna take about 20 minutes to complete. Um, it does not, I don't know if, let's see. You have till July to comment on it, it sounds like. Yeah, I've got the Federal Register um, on it here. Let me post that along with it. Oh, that's a good link. I, I hadn't heard about this, uh, this survey. Th thank you for finding this. Yep. So it looks like uh, we only have one public comment right now. Uh, it's a 30 day, 30 day notice, so it looks like it kicked up yesterday. So comments close on July 9th. So uh, probably need to get this up on Facebook. Uh, take a look at it. Um, let me see what kind of questions we're asking here. Let's see. Understand the podcast. Where's the actual survey, though? 162 of people have viewed it so far. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm looking for uh, the questions here. Let's see. The survey will ask responders to report their demographic characteristics, their knowledge of unmanned aircraft system, their knowledge of the use of UAS by first responders, their overall trust in the use of new technologies, uh, their general attitudes about such use, and the opinions about the use of... But where is it? Okay. I'm going to have to do some uh, research and actually find the survey because this really doesn't make sense. Not having the survey here. Show more details. The Federal Register is not completely clear. Uh, I've never no, experienced I know. <laughs> I, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Um, okay, so let me do some research, guys, and I will post this on Facebook once I find it. Um, if it uh, seems like something that uh, we really need to get, you know, some comments on, then we'll we'll throw it up there. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think that's. I mean, any type of survey that we can lend uh, a hand with, uh, I think, is uh, definitely a good deal. Uh, we have um, let's see, founded by. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out who this is. Ch -ch -ch. 
So this is about the Skydio. Um, let me drop this in. So for the, let's see. Uh, I think that's not really super related. Okay, so founded by ex-Google engineers, uh, meet the drone startups scoring millions in government surveillance contracts. So uh, seems like Skydio is uh, doing fairly well with um, getting their stuff moved towards the government sector. And I imagine, especially with the uh, some of uh, fight back against DJI. Um, some of this is going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, but of but, course, uh, if, the if the legislation that's in the uh, Senate passes, uh, the processor in the Skydio is manufactured in China, so they'll have uh, hoisted themselves on their own petard. Mm -hmm. Let's see. We've got. Skydio, a drone startup backed with passive investment by basketball player Kevin Durant. Um, most surprising recent addition to the government's aerial surveillance arsenal, founded by two ex-Google software engineers and former MIT students, uh, Adam Bry and Abraham Bachrock. Uh, it's made its name as a fun, artificial intelligence-powered, consumer-focused, unmanned aerial system. Um, yeah. Yeah, to me, this is interesting because they are using an NVIDIA uh, GPU mm -hmm. and then driving uh, AI uh, on it. And that's part of its uh, 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 detect and avoid uh, system. So the, the, this, to me, is one of the things that we're, we will probably see over time is that there'll be sweeps of various function pushed into large processors mm -hmm. and doing advanced functions, just like Skydio is, uh, is doing now. So, yep. Looks I mean, like yeah, DA innovator. Looks like the DEA uh, is a customer at a hundred ninety thousand dollar contract. Um, three million con three million dollar contract with the U.S. Army and a one point five million dollar deal with the Air Force. Uh, so we've got uh, December. It announced it was supplying the Chula Vista Police Department with drones. Um, but uh, not being used for anything other than emergency situations. <clears throat> so we've got uh, that, and we've got a couple other companies that they mentioned in the article here um, regarding both uh, uh, the types of uh, surveillance methods they're using, including ICE and uh, see, CBP. Um, and yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of uh, different uses in here. Um, so with the recent protests, uh, have uh, I think there's a predator drone flying over the Minneapolis. And not that I'm going to get into the protests or anything political, but I do want to get into, you know, the fact that they're saying that there was a predator drone flying over, um, but it wasn't for surveillance. Uh, I know I've talked with, I mean, I personally have talked with Phoenix Police Department officers um, that drones pre present a, a peculiar problem for police officers um, if they wanted to, let's say, use one to see over your fence into your yard, uh, if they were, you know, currently in an investigation or something like that. And generally, 
Um, I forget what police officers call it. You'll have to forgive me. But basically, their line of sight is considered um, what they can see unaided. Uh, you know, for example, if they pull you over, they see something in your back seat. Um, that that becomes fair game. Whereas something in a locked compartment like your trunk uh, presents, you know, they would have to have a warrant for that. Well, a drone presents a similar type of problem in 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 so much as does it, you know, from a policy point of view, does it extend their natural line of sight to be able to see things? Or would it require a warrant to utilize? And so it presents interesting problems for the police. Um, and I know different police departments are working with that, but um, I did kind of touch on that. Interesting. Now, Predator's a big aircraft. I mean, that's a General Atomics uh, military, yeah. military drone. Yeah, yeah, that's nothing like what we're using the word no. for. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Um, did, but, were there uh, more articles about that, and did they explain why they were doing it? Was it just, like, because it could fly from North Dakota and have fun testing it out, or what? So, it was a very... The, the article was behind a, a Washington... Let me hit it real quick. I'm sorry, I didn't keep it. I just wanted to mention mm. uh, because I couldn't get access to the whole article because it was behind a paywall. Sure. Um, I heard an interesting uh, presentation last year up at the New Air Symposium about so September timeframe where uh, the uh, New York State Air National Guard uh, spent $10 million to get a beyond visual line of sight waiver from the FAA all the testing and ground stations and ground radar and all the testing. And what they wanted to do was be able to move their predator around the state. And so I, I you know, surmise from that that uh, the predator is uh, an in-theater aircraft and uh, apparently uh, was not uh, needed this type of approval to be flown beyond visual line of sight in the United States. So I wonder what sort of approvals they had. Uh, so this I, was apparently the Predator drone was being uh, flown by Customs and Border Protection. Uh, but they were not put in, this article says that they were not put in place to surveil protests. Uh, we were not providing any resources to surveil uh, peaceful protesters. Um uh, Customs and Border Patrol was helping more than a dozen cities around the country and providing assistance to state and locals so that they can make sure their cities were protected. He added that when a driver allegedly ran over a group of law enforcement officers in Buffalo, New York, the air operation was able to help track the vehicle and assist local law enforcement in arresting the driver. We weren't taking any information on law-abiding protesters, but we were absolutely there to ensure the safety of folks there as well as enforce and make sure law and order remain. Uh, so it seems like they were not uh, surveilling for deep state purposes, but more so for uh, just safety. Well, that's what they say. I mean. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's their story and they're sticking to it. Again, I, I'm not going to get into, you know, politics. I, I don't want to go down that path right now. Um, but. Yeah. So uh, the original article I saw was on the Wall Street Journal, uh, but that's behind a paywall. And uh, yeah, but this was from ABC News. So 
there's several articles on it. If you just search drones over protests, um, a bunch of articles popped up. Um, let's see. I think I've got one more here. Uh, so North Dakota has tapped Raytheon um, Technologies, Collins Aerospace, and L3 Harris Technologies to uh, expand and put in place, well, put in place and expand uh, its Beyond Visual Line of Sight system. Uh, this is from the Washington Herald here. Um, so their mission will be able to drive approvals from the FAA and FCC, as well as support standards, policies, and procedures for safe and efficient integration of UAS into the national airspace system. With this partnership in place, North Dakota is well positioned to create and implement what is really the next level in the UAS industry. Uh, nobody else is doing what North Dakota is doing. Um, let's see, North Dakota has already put up one beyond visual and a site tower in Grand Forks. Subsequently, the legislation legislator approved an additional $28 million to create a statewide UAS network. Um, let's see. They're using, uh, right now, It's uh, we have multiple public and commercial use cases on the western side of the state. Um, Let's see. Tommy Kenville, CEO of EyeSight Drone Services, has been among those pushing the drone horizon outward in North Dakota. They propose a new office in Watford. Um, let's see. So the report, uh, oh, they put together a report on the gravel roads heading into the summer season. They flew 2,200 miles of gravel roads in 20 days. It's um, a lot of miles, a lot of drones, and a lot of people. Um, they're saying with uh, the be, uh, beyond visual line of sight radar towers, the same mileage should take us seven days. So, really cool. interesting. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Josh, when you have a moment, could you yeah. uh, let uh, Alex uh, talk? He wants to share what's uh, going on on the on the drone academy that he's involved in. This Absolutely. Summer. Go ahead, bud. All right. Thank you. Uh, so, one of the things that uh, we're trying to do is we actually have a virtual drone club that we're doing for kids okay. all across and, the world. And Alex, the organization is? Is called the Global Air Drone Academy. Mm -hmm. And so we're offering a virtual drone club to kids all across the world. Uh, we usually get around 30 kids in currently, but they're from places from UK, UAE, Nigeria, everywhere. Um, then another thing that we're trying to do is we're doing a what's we're calling a drone camp in a box in which we're trying to raise enough to give away 500 sets of these to kids in need in Baltimore to get them into drones and all. So those are two That's things. That's really that... cool. So what's your goal? What's your dollar uh, goal? And where can, is there a donation site up or? Here, I'll paste that in the oh. yeah absolutely and that in here and feel free oh. to drop that uh in the fpvsc facebook too okay absolutely right. so there's the drone camp in a boxing there's an option to donate and on that page and for kids if they want to or youth anyone wants to go into what we had a, a virtual drone club i sent that link in too 
So if you if you know any kids that might be interested in learning about drones, what's the age? What's the age bracket? Is there a uh, limit, Alex? It's designed for around eight to eighteen. Uh huh. So pretty much anyone in like middle school is the main focus where we're looking, yep. but pretty much anyone, if you can understand what we're saying, you can participate. We have challenges like almost every week. And like today, we live stream some flying. But yeah. Excellent. Um, do you guys have like a Facebook group or? Where are you live streaming from? Or oh, we're using Zoom. Okay. We're using a Zoom call, so or is we were live streaming like the FPV feed through Zoom. Okay, gotcha. So is the like when you do live streaming, is it open to the public to watch, or is it just for the organization? Yep. Yeah. You have to sign up ahead of time to get the information to go into the Zoom call, and okay. It, should be pretty much unlimited to go in there. And then afterwards, we upload this recording of the club meeting. The live stream. You could say. And so we upload that later to our website. Okay. Excellent. So that's just some Excellent. stuff trying to get youth involved. Yeah, that sounds that's really great, cool. Great work. Yeah, Thank that's you, awesome. Um, who, Alex, um, is there... Are you leading this? Are you just working with them, or? So I am sort of. I'm for working with them mainly. I'm not the lead on this, but okay, helping with it. Like for the, I'm mainly in the do the drone club thing. I'm not as much into the drone camp in a box. Right. So I'm just curious if, you know, there's somebody we should talk to or if you want to mention, you know, maybe it's the a link to your website. We can drop on our website um, sure. that way, you know, help spread that out. And I just want to make sure it's OK with whoever's leading it. Oh, uh, they're fine with that. OK. All right. Because I, I think this is really awesome. I'm just looking at the website right now. And that, is, there a, is there a marketing contact in within the uh, uh, Global Air and Drone Air Drone Academy, Alex? I don't believe so, but you can. Okay. But you can talk to me. I can do all that okay. stuff. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Great work, bud. <clears throat> all right. Um, so, Dave, do we want to touch on the other thing that we were talking about earlier? Yeah, before we do, there's a risk, rhetoric, and reality. Oh, a yes, the webinar. conversation about drone data security. Can uh, can you or, do you or Dan have access to that link that you can yeah. put that here? Give me one second. This is a uh, it's this is a um, webinar. It's tomorrow, June 11. It is, the time is 1 p.m. Eastern. So sort of in the middle of the day for folks who are, who are working. Um, but it includes New America, DJI, Booz Allen Hamilton. And sounds like they've also got a, a host. And one of the speakers will be uh, Brendan Schulman, the VP of uh, 
policy at uh, DJI. So this promises to be interesting to talk about drone data security. So obviously that uh, re report that uh, we talked about earlier will be referenced and they'll, they'll have uh, a Booz Allen person uh, there on the call. That's it. Thank you. You yep. found it. Yeah, so the link's through Twitter. Um, let me grab the actual um, registration link, and I'll drop that as well. Um, I did register already, so Great. I will be on there. So you can click that go to webinar.com slash register link. Um, all it's asking for is a first name. Um, last name and email address that's all you need to register uh, so uh, if you're on uh, anywhere on the so like in my time zone it's going to be 10 a.m but uh but yeah so um let's see the other thing yeah. that we have um seen lately and heard lately is that um, the FAA is looking for FPV pilots not using a spotter. Um, so, and I'm, I don't, you know, I'm yeah, not, we don't have, we don't have this offic officially. Yes. But we did, you know, we have, it, it was a reasonable contact. This was not something that, that we just, uh, you know, picked up on the internet. It, you know, it must be true. Uh, this was uh, someone we work with. Um, so please, everyone, if you're if you're flying around, um, uh, find a spotter. And we understand uh, that um, there, you know, we may not use a spotter, or we may not work with a spotter all the time. But uh, if you're at a place where uh, it looks like there are uh, some people around, uh, please find a spotter. Um, also. Uh, uh, be careful! Don't don't push uh, um, uh, law enforcement. Uh, you know these uh, during these times. We, you know we're trying to make sure that we're uh, uh, presenting a, a good face, and um, I think we can do things to uh, to help um, help our extend you know the the folks around us, and uh, that includes one of the articles that uh, that Josh had is uh, you know, to assist in uh, emergencies and. That's certainly the the image that we would like to uh, portray is that uh, you know, we've got incredible skills uh, across the FPV community, and I'd love to uh, take advantage of them and have the, this be a uh, a place where STEM skills are grown for uh, uh, folks like Alex and the work that uh, that he's doing with his organization. Absolutely. So you know, just just in, in going forward right now um the the source we have is that they've asked another group of individuals to kind of be on the lookout and so i just don't want anybody you know getting that letter in the mail or you know getting that phone call or, or something like that um unnecessarily so uh just be careful uh with what you're doing um find a spotter uh you know watch what you're you're uploading um we have you know we have conflicting sources so you know one source says that the faa the faa says that they're not wasting effort on 
you know, going through YouTube and, and looking at videos and trying to catch people that way, because, you know, unless you're actually on the video that they don't know that you're behind the controls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they'd have a long, uh, road to plow there, uh, to, to try and incriminate somebody. But at the same time, we're getting other instances where they're saying, yeah, uh, we're looking for people not flying with a spotter and which seems like such a, uh, a base thing to be concerned about. But at the same time, you know, we're just passing on the information and, uh, trying to keep everybody safe. So. And while it's not related uh, to this uh, information that we've heard, a lot of you who follow Bruce Simpson know that he's been reported for flying uh, against the rules and has to be has been justifying all of his actions to the CAA down there in New Zealand. So, I mean, it's it's for anybody, it would be an uncomfortable position to be in, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, uh, so just be careful is all I'm saying. Uh, don't incriminate yourself (laughs) right yes sir exactly Um, you know keep yourself off video (laughs) (laughs) but like I want to make sure that uh, Josh before we uh, close I mentioned the the survey that I posted yes absolutely so Dave did post uh, a series of five questions on our Facebook, as well as I believe you did the Rotor Ride as well. That's correct. And uh, uh, they are for assistance with the Drone Advisory Committee with a safety um, task group that you're in, correct? Correct. And it's uh, the the objective of the this tasking group is what elements of manned aviation safety culture are applicable to UAS. And so with uh, the folks on the uh, uh, FPVFC uh, Facebook group, uh, very quickly re- uh, had, I had a bunch of responses. I also had a lot of good comments, some critical, which was really helpful, and, uh, uh, and other comments, which were also helpful. So that was, uh, I, I'm very appreciative uh, to the response and the comments. And uh, I promised to try to learn how to use uh, Google Forms and not use uh, Facebook polls anymore. It was clunky, and my apologies for the uh, uh, lack of elegance in the uh, in the survey. But uh, very happy with the uh, uh, with the responses and the ideas that uh, were put forward. Um, so uh, the one thing I noticed, Dave, is that the uh, commentary uh, underneath the questions was uh, pretty good. Uh, some definite challenges, but not in a in a bad way. Just you know, good conversation, good debate. Um, exactly. So yeah, I had really appreciate had, yeah, that had, feedback. Exactly. Yeah, ninety nine percent of it was was very you know was very uh, constructive, and yep. that's you know that's always nice to see on Facebook. Yes, it rarely Absolutely. happens on Facebook. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Twitter's even worse. I. I yeah. <laughs> Facebook is is the light side of things. Um, I have a question for Dave. Yeah. Um, what are the next steps as far as the whole trade association? Um, I saw Tyler's post. Of course, you were tagged in that. Um, 
So it sounds like those efforts failed, or at least so far. Uh, just wondering what yeah, I was asked, potential I was next asked, steps. Yeah, good question. And so we were, uh, I was asked to um, uh, lead a trade association for the recreational uh, UAS uh, industry. And uh, Josh and I have been working on this. And we uh, reached out to about uh, 25 uh, individuals. And the um, uh, I have um, background in uh, product development, uh, product management, product marketing, um, as well as uh, mergers and acquisitions. So I've got a pretty good sense of what it takes to uh, release and create an organization uh, on a worldwide basis uh, as it relates to product and uh, uh, and the the various owners uh, were not tremendously enthusiastic um, about uh, uh, the need for a coordinated uh, vision, um, uh, coordinated marketing. Uh, they did like the idea of uh, it would be good to have uh, someone lobbying uh, for them, uh, but they were uh, uh, very concerned about the cost. And so uh, the the view is that uh, at this point uh, we'll we'll stop. Now there you know, as um, uh, there are other activities that Tyler's working on, and that's great. And certainly the activities that we are working on within FPVFC will uh, will continue. Uh, FPVFC is uh, completely solvent. Thank you to the uh, uh, to the support of our members, and uh, uh, so and as well as thank you very much to uh, to Josh, Dan, David for working uh, as volunteers, and I'm volunteer as well in FPVFC. So that lowers our our costs. Uh, a lot. So um, we're, we'll continue to uh, push as we can. And uh, as uh, some of you know, we, we are a 501c3. Uh, that uh, requires that we not do much lobbying. Uh, so we'll do, you know, what we're doing, what you see up on the website for congressional outreach uh, is completely within bounds. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll abide by the rules. Um, with the IRS, we want to retain our 501c3 status, um, and uh, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, I mean, the difference is, guys, is that, you know, the difference between what the FPVFC is doing and what uh, the traded organization was, was designed to do is that the FP, FPVFC is put in place as a potential uh, community-based organization. So, once the community-based organization rules come out, which uh, you know we are waiting uh, with bated breath for, uh, I think it's a couple months late, if not uh, several months late at this point. But um, we are set up to be a community-based organization, um, <clears throat> whereas the trade organization, well, and, and like Dave was saying, uh, a 501c3 is basically a nonprofit for the benefit of uh, the people it serves. So, you know, we, as an example, we take in money for memberships or, you know, through donations or through, uh, you know, t-shirt sales. And we utilize that to be able to uh, act in the best interest of our membership. Um, 
and, and moreover the the at, you know do things in the best interest for you know the FPV community, such as going to the protests in DC and participating in that and and that kind of thing. Whereas a trade organization would be set up as a 501c7, uh, which gives us complete autonomy. Or yeah, six. I'm sorry. Um, which gives us complete autonomy to uh, engage in lobbying and whatnot. And the problem is, is that uh, is twofold. Lobbying costs a lot of money um, to be able to to hire, you know, a lobbyist firm uh, to interact with the, the politicians is necessary, uh, as well as, you know, getting a, a disparate group of companies and individuals with, uh, you know, their own personalities and whatnot to work together for a common good. Now that's not to say, you know, people should be ashamed that they turned us down. It's not about that. It's just, people don't feel right now that they're in a position to, to participate in something like that. Uh, so the unfortunate side of it is, is that we'll, we will continue to do what we can with the FPVFC, but it kind of, you know, cuts off an avenue that would be beneficial in the long run. So, you know, uh, that's not to say it won't happen later on down the road, maybe when things are a little more positive. Um, you know, again, people are, companies are just coming out of, lockdown essentially uh COVID-19 is you know just kind of you know states are opening up and and whatnot so you know people are probably still getting their feet underneath them um and again there's no hard feelings uh about it it just you know didn't pan out and that's fine uh and we will continue to see what we can do to attack um the regulations from different angles so yeah. And who yeah. knows, no, if some I, of those I, bills I about the Chinese equipment go through, then maybe the trade organization will see more feet, or, uh, traction. Interest in it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, you know, as things, as restrictions start to kind of tighten up, as, as these regulations tighten up, uh, you know, it might change some hearts and minds. I don't know. But, uh, again, the effort is to, you know, is to do everything we possibly can to save our hobby. I'm sorry for and talking over you there, Steve. No, no, that's fine. I, I knew this was out of the scope of FPVFC. Mm -hmm. um, but I, after, since Dave was on the line, I thought maybe he could just add some additional info. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, you know, it's not, again, it's not about shaming companies for not getting involved. Um, I know there were posts on the Facebook posts, uh, or replies on the Facebook post asking for who didn't, you know, blah, 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 who didn't participate and who didn't want to do this. And, and it's not about that. It's really not. It's, you know, you know, we'll just keep doing what we're doing. We'll find different avenues of approach. Yeah. And it really wasn't because it was like one or two didn't want to, it was not, a, not enough in general. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, you know, it was it was enough that, you know, we didn't feel like we had a big enough representation. And that was the whole point is to get a group that was representative of the FPV, uh, you know, manufacturers, uh, retailers, um, distributors, that kind of thing uh, that are that were based in the United States and, and had close ties to the United States um, to 
uh, really make an impact here. And trade organizations, you know, happen all the time. Uh, the AIA, which is the Aerospace uh, Industrial Association or Industry mm -hmm. Association, um, okay. you know, they represent several, I think, several hundred different Three, firms. Over 300, 300, yep. Yep. So, you know, and that's all in general aviation. Um, so, you know, it's... You know, it's a lot of work in terms of coming together and, and getting people kind of saying the same thing. But at the same time, these are different companies with different agendas, oftentimes competing with one another. So you have to manage that, too. Um, so, you know, you, you, you know, once, you know, maybe later on down the road, people will start to see the benefit of it. And, you know, otherwise we'll just, you know, keep doing something different. So, yeah. Good question, though. Good question. Any other questions, comments, concerns? Things have been a no. little too quiet from the FAA. <laughs> they have, you know, and I think that's the the part that's probably grinding on me the most is that, you know, we had the the announcement of the people who were going to be working on, you know, the policies and, and whatnot for the USS. But, you know, I would... You know, one of the things we talked about amongst ourselves is trying to see if maybe we could get, you know, some a little bit of advance notice before we drop some, you know, before they drop mm -hmm. some stuff. And and, you know, that way, instead of being behind the eight ball uh, in terms of trying to go through it, break it down, uh, make it formatable so people can read it. Um, and, and, you know, like we did with the NPRM you know, that we could be ahead of the curve. And, you know, as soon as it drops, we can basically be like, you know, the embargo's lifted, here's what you need to know. Yeah, and... that definitely goes for, like, the um, the recreational knowledge test. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of got overshadowed a while ago by the whole NPRM, and a lot of people don't even know that that's coming. But one of these days, they're just probably going to drop that on us, and it's mm -hmm. going to be a surprise. It is, and and hopefully we'll, it won't be too much of a surprise, being as you know the FPVFC is one of the members on that on that uh, you know council. But at the same time, you know it's it's hard to tell. And you know, right now I would say uh, you know our our government has got their hands full, and <laughs> right. but at the same time, you know we need to uh, you know still be watchful and. I don't want things to get lost in the mayhem and the chaos. So uh, that's our job is to make sure we don't lose it and uh, and get that information out to you guys as soon as we have it and uh, and then break it down quickly for the community. So, all right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, and I think I will claim responsibility. I put the time wrong on the Facebook post. Um, so maybe that's why we don't have as many people here today. <laughs> oh, that's so, because Arizona's got that crazy fixed time zone down there that never changes like the rest of the world. Well, is the rest of the world crazy <laughs> or are we? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate... Uh, I will let you all go. I hope you you guys have a great evening, and uh, we'll see you next time. And I will get the time right on the next one, I promise. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Bye.